Welcome to the Encounter Church Podcast. We believe this message will encourage you as you grow your faith and your relationship with Jesus. Grab your notebook and a pen as we get right into the message. All right. Happy Mother's Day, everybody. Yeah. Hey, my wife's here. Hey. I, she, she had the privilege of Mother's Day waking up to take care of all four of our children all by herself this morning, so... I was expecting a second service appearance. <laughs> All right. My name is Pastor Rylan. I am the student ministries pastor here at Encounter Church, and I have been blessed with the opportunity to share uh, today's message with you. So today, we are going to conclude this five-week series that we've been on, looking at the idea that we were made to worship. Now, if we really dig deep down we're going to discover that each of us was created with a calling and a longing to give God praise. Whether we realize it or not, every man, every woman, every boy, every girl, we spend our whole life worshiping something. Something. A question that you need to ask yourself is, what do you choose to worship? What will you choose to worship? If we turn to Ecclesiastes 3.11, we read that God has planted eternity in the human heart. But even so, people cannot see the whole scope of God's work from beginning all the way to the end. This tells me that every person on this planet has a sense of awareness, that there's something more to life than just to eat, sleep, wake up, eat, sleep, wake up through this mundane cycle over and over again. So what do we do? We often turn to things that are around us. Maybe some of us go over to our calendar and we cram it full of events and obligations and activities to make our lives so busy that we feel like we have some sense of purpose. Maybe we move from one project to the next project, hoping to feel some sort of accomplishment and to prove ourselves. Maybe you work your way up the corporate ladder, hoping to find some sense of accomplishment or even some semblance of respect. We often elevate people celebrities, actors, musicians, pastors, leaders, politicians, to a level that they should not be elevated to, trying to find some sort of meaning or purpose in life, something or someone to lean upon. Then in the end, we discover that all of it, no matter what we try, It lets us down. We're stuck in the same cycle as before. Eat, sleep, wake up. Eat, sleep, wake up. Until eventually, we die. If we move back to chapter 1 of Ecclesiastes, we find that Solomon had this same struggle. Maybe you have felt this way before. Everything is meaningless, says the teacher. Completely meaningless. 
What do people get for all their hard work under the sun? Generations come and generations go, but the earth never changes. The sun rises and the sun sets, then hurries around to rise again. The wind blows south and then turns north. Around and around it goes, blowing in circles. Rivers run into the sea, but the sea is never full. Then the water returns again to the rivers and flows out again to the sea. Everything is wearisome beyond description. No matter how much we see, we are never satisfied. No matter how much we hear, we are not content. History merely repeats itself. It has all been done before. Nothing under the sun is truly new. Sometimes people say, here is something new, but actually, it is old. Nothing is ever truly new. We don't remember what happened in the past, and in the future generations, no one will remember what we are doing now. Have you ever been there? You're sitting there by yourself, and you look down into your future, and you ask yourself, what am I moving toward? What am I working so hard for? And then you find yourself with an answer, and you've been disappointed by it. Is life really meaningless? Is there really no purpose? The word that is used here literally means a vapor or a breath. It is here, but then it is gone. When Solomon wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, he begins by searching for the meaning of life. What does it mean to really live? The Bible tells that he tried pleasure, but found that it was meaningless. He turned to things, to material items, but found that they were non-fulfilling and meaningless. He even seeked out Seeked out wisdom, and even wisdom let him down. If we look at chapter 2, verse 24, we see that Solomon does eventually, finally, come to a place of understanding, or a place that we're going to call an aha moment. Have you ever had a moment like that? A time when you're struggling with something really bad, you can't quite, quite break through something, and then suddenly the light comes on and you go, aha. I get it. So here is Solomon's aha moment. Here's what he figures out. He says, Then I realized that these pleasures are from the hand of God. To find the real meaning of life, you have to stop searching for the things that are around you. You see, real life is not found in the pleasures of this world. It's not found in possessions. It's not even found in wisdom. Real life is found in and through the hand of God. It is found in the moments of worship. It is discovered in our times of personal dedication to surrender. You were not created to create your own list of people and objects and things to worship. You were created to give praise and glory to God. And God alone. 
cheap substitutes, they're going to come and they're going to go and they're going to let you down every single time. If we look at the book of Romans, we see, for ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature, so they have no excuse for not knowing God. Yes, they knew God, but they wouldn't worship him as God or even give him thanks. And they begin to think up foolish ideas of what God was like. As a result, their minds became dark and confused. Claiming to be wise, they instead became utter fools. And instead of worshiping the glorious, ever-living God, they worshiped idols made to look like mere people and birds and animals and reptiles. Here, Paul is saying that for one reason or another, people ignored the majesty of God and turned to cheap substitutes. And this is something that we still do today. I want us to look at a time in the Old Testament when a group, when a group of people really chose to worship in obedience, even when the situation that they were in seemed to make no sense at all. We're going to turn to a story that's found in the book of Joshua, chapter 6. Now, you see, Joshua brought the children of Israel into the promised land, the place that God had stated would be theirs 40 years earlier. But now they have a problem. They've come up to the city of Jericho. Now, Jericho was not a huge land area. It was only about eight acres. But the problem lied in the fact that it was a fortress city. It is said that there were two walls an outer wall with a retaining wall that was built into the hillside, and then an actual wall also. The outer wall stood about 23 feet, while the inner wall stood about 30 to 43 high from ground level. These walls were said to each be about six feet thick. Now, these numbers, they all vary. It's history. So these numbers vary depending on the source. But I think it's probably safe to say that the people of Jericho, they felt pretty safe in there, right? Yeah, and on top of that, they also had their own false gods. They believed that their city was protected by false Canaanite gods. So here come the Israelites. They're facing this wall in their path, two walls in their path. They had a major obstacle to overcome. But how many of you would agree with me today that God is greater than any wall, any fortress, any obstacle that is put in front of you? We have three lessons that I really want us to take away from the story of Jericho this morning. The first one is even when the journey seems impossible, God has a plan. I want to help you understand something here. So, 40 years earlier, the children of Israel escaped enslavement from Egypt. And they did this through seeing miracle after miracle after miracle from their God. And it has brought them to this place. And now, 
they find themselves in the gateway to Canaan. In front of them is a city with fortified walls. God gives them some specific instructions, and if they will follow these instructions, he will give them this city. Have you ever come face to face with an obstacle? You find yourself face to face with a 40-foot wall after 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness. You're tired, and that wall seems impenetrable, and nothing seems to make sense. Let's look at the rest of our story here. Sorry, I left my Bible in my office. Is it up on the board? No, okay. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Joshua. There we go. All right. So, Joshua. In here it says, The Lord said to Joshua, March around the city once with all the armed men. Do this for six days. Have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. And then a little further down. When Joshua had spoken to the people... The seven priests carrying the seven trumpets before the Lord went forward, blowing their trumpets, and the ark of the Lord's covenant followed them. The armed guard marched ahead of the priests and blew the trumpets, and the rear guard followed the ark. All this time, the trumpets were sounding. So on the second day, they marched around the city once and returned to the camp. They did this for six days. Now on the seventh day, they got up at daybreak and marched around the city seven times in the same manner. Except that on the seventh day, they circled the city seven times. There are going to be moments when it seems like you can't penetrate the wall. But I challenge you to step out into your worship and to trust in our God, to trust in faith. Why do we do this? Lesson one, God has a plan. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not on your own understanding, but in all your ways, acknowledge him. In him, he will direct your paths. What we have to understand is this, that even in those moments of impossibility, even in those moments when we are up against the wall, if we begin to trust in God, if we begin to rest in the Lord, he is going to make those paths straight before us. God desires to remove that impenetrable wall and bring you into his presence. Now the question we come to now is this. Will you worship God even when that wall comes up before you? 
Lesson two, the outcome may not be instant, but God has a plan. If you read through the Old Testament, you're going to see time and time again that there are battles. Nations come and fight other nations. They, they sword fights, and they conquer. That's my big intimidating presence there. But this time, in this story with Joshua and the Israelites and Jericho, we see that things are a little different. This time, instead of coming in guns a-blazing, ready to go, shouting victory, there is a need to wait and to trust in the plan of God. They were called to march, camp, wait, repeat, march, camp, wait, repeat. Does this seem a little familiar here? Understand this. God's plan is always the best. God's timing is always the best. And one way to worship God, one of the best ways to worship God, is to remain faithful as we wait for him. Is it easy to wait? 99% of the time, absolutely not. But the wait helps us grow and mature with God. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not grow weary. They shall walk and not grow faint. When we wait on the Lord, we find that our faith is deepened and our trust in Him begins to increase. Remember, God's plan is perfect. Now put yourself in their position. This had to be difficult. A weird, confusing seven days for them. They marched around Jericho without talking. No talking, no shouting, no noise, just a silent walk around the city. And this is how they were supposed to conquer the city, how they were supposed to bring these massive walls down, just walk around silently and patiently over and over again. Do not shout. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Do I have any teachers in here? Like, I'm a teacher. <laughs> and, and this is the phrase that I find myself saying about 734 and a half times a day. Don't talk. Don't talk. And it's hard, especially when they're tired and cranky. Do you think these Israelites were tired and cranky at this point? And they need to let off some steam. And we're social people, and we want to talk. But they are told, do not talk. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout. Then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day. And then everyone returned to spend the night in the camp. In the midst of your spiritual breakthrough, there will probably be moments when that wall does not come down as fast as you want it to. But does that mean that God is absent? No. No, it simply means that the time has not yet come. We must continue to trust him. He has a plan. Can't you imagine that there were those back then who grumbled and complained? Like if you were there, do you think maybe you would have been one of them? Uh-huh. Maybe, but we must continue. No, 
Maybe you are here today and you are struggling with your journey. You don't understand the process that you are in. You journey around the city again and again and again and again, and it just doesn't make sense. I challenge you today to put your trust fully in God, to trust Him in the process. Your shout, it is coming. Your victory cry, it is coming. The walls are going to fall, but in this time, in this moment, he is asking that you wait patiently for him to move. Like the first part of Psalm 4610 says, be still and know that I am God. Be still. Lesson three, obedience is vital because God has a, a plan. You guys are so much more fun than, than 13-year-olds. <laughs> you listen and everything. All right, what would have happened if the Israelites would have ignored the directions of God? They probably would never have conquered the city of Jericho. Their walls would have probably never fallen. Now look at what happened on the seventh day. On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. The seventh time around, as the priests sounded the long blast on their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. Now, the Bible goes on to say that when people heard that long blast of the ram's horn, they shouted as loud as they could. Suddenly, those huge walls, they collapsed, and they went in and they conquered the city. Today, you may be here and you want to worship. Maybe you want to give God praise, but you are simply struggling with that wall that you keep over and over again, finding yourself up against. God is calling you out of that mundane cycle. Eat, sleep, wake up, eat, sleep, wake up, and into the victorious shout that he has for you. Many of you need to change the perspective that you have on your situation. God has not called you to defeat. He has called you to victory. Romans 8.38 reminds us, what shall we say about such wonderful things as these? If God is for us, who can be against us? I think it's time for us to stop telling our God how big our mountain is and to start telling that mountain how big our God is. Today can be your day of victory. Today can be your day to declare and shout and praise and worship to God. Don't be defeated by that wall that you cannot get up and scale. Because soon, your God is going to make that wall crumble before you. Are you ready to go all in? Are you ready to shout a victory over your walls? Let's bow our heads for a moment. 
Thank you for listening to the Encounter Church podcast. We pray that this message was a blessing and an encouragement to you.